GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to the spooky corner of the library with two amazingly talented guests behind the Goosebumps series. So without further ado, let's say the words, Karu Mare Odanalama Milano Carano, and see who we can find. Our first guest is an artist who has done over 300 book covers and paintings for various different series, novels, and video games, including Star Trek and the works of Stephen King. Today, he joins us to discuss his work and illustrated the covers for nearly 100 book entries in the Goosebumps series. Please welcome Tim Jacobus. What's up? How's it going today, Patty? I am good, Tim. How awesome. are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's I. I have really, I've really been enjoying your work for such a long time. Um, you got some great stuff on your website, and I highly recommend everybody checking that out. And um, before I bring out the writer, I had one art question I want to throw on out to you. And um, I was just curious. Uh, when did you begin to switch uh, to embrace and switch to digital? Oh, good question. Yeah, it was uh, around 2003. Uh, the, the art business changed real fast, the book business, and um, I had been kind of playing around with, with the computers, and it was not an easy transition. Um, it was probably my least favorite time in my career because I had got the traditional art together, and I had a, a real system, technique, everything, and then they handed me all these new tools and I got a, you know, a rock in my hand and I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing here. So a uh, lot of frustrations, a lot of yelling, but uh, eventually it came around. And once it did, I really enjoy working digitally now. It gives me a, a whole other avenue to pursue. So having both sets of tools, the traditional and the digital have been a real, actually a, a gift in the long run. And, and and kudos to you for sticking with it to make that transition. Um, a, a, a lot of guys didn't. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a hard choice for some, and a, a lot of guys decided just to go the uh, you know the fine art realm. Uh, I still felt that there was a lot to do in the you know in the commercial world, and I knew that was where we were going. Um, yeah, it was a, a, a it was a, a worthwhile transition, and now that we're there, it's so easy. If you and I were doing a job together, and I had a, given you a traditional painting and said, "Hey, you know, what do you think?" and you said, "Doc, this is great. Can you change the background from green to blue?" Yeah, I would have said, "Okay, I'll talk to you in a week." Yeah, <laughs> and now in the digital world, while we were talking, I could hit a couple of things and go, "Hey, how about this?" Does this work for you? So, um, yeah, it's a it, it's it's a great tool for doing stuff collaboratively. Absolutely, and uh, again, kudos, kudos from uh, going from English to metric fittings on your toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ah, you're very welcome, very welcome. And our next guest, he is a novelist and screenwriter whose body of work includes such series as Fear Street, Rotten School, Mostly Ghostly, and The Nightmare Room. Today joins us as the author of The Goosebumps. Please welcome R.L. Stein. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. I tell you about transitions. I mean, when I started out, uh, we didn't have books. We only had parchment. <laughs> we, had, we had to unroll them. We'd have to, we should unroll them. That was, like, that was a big advance from tablets. 
Uh, there you go. I mean, I, 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 I remember the town crier being like, it is not his majesty. Now he's like, I have two chickens you know, every week for the royal feast. So, uh, RL, how are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm hanging in. Oh, so glad to have you here. And um, just real quick, uh, just a couple of things. Um, first of all, thank you for Bananas Magazine. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> That was, yeah, I used to be funny. I was funny for a long time. Now I'm not. Oh, I, I, I think so far you've proven your humor, but uh, no, I, I, I was, I was describing that to to some folks in the office. Like, no, you gotta understand, Bananas Magazine was at every school library growing up in, in my generation, and it was. They were, they, yeah, it was it was there. It was fun. It was a great energy to it. And uh, I also have to thank you for uh, your work on Eureka's Castle. Well, I thank you for bringing up all these things. A lot of people don't realize that I was head writer of Eureka's Castle. Uh, you know, they just brought them back there. You can see that I think there are 37 episodes of Eureka on Paramount Plus now. Oh. They haven't been around for ages. No, it really kind of... Yeah, I had, a, had a, a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, right after we got out of film school, one of his early puppeteering gigs was on uh, Eureka's. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I, You know, Eureka's Castle, for those who didn't see it, it was a lot like Sesame Street, only we didn't teach them anything. <laughs> had, uh, no, it was, it was, I think, actually, every time they watched, they lost a few IQ points. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud, very proud of that show. That's my whole TV career. <laughs> well, I think that kind of speaks to to uh, I think one of the strengths of of Goosebumps because, and I think you've you've got a record before saying that you weren't out to teach morals or anything. You were just out to engage and entertain and thrill. Is that uh, a fair assessment? Yeah, very fair. I I don't try to teach anything. I mean, there aren't any vocabulary words in Goosebumps. You don't even learn. You don't learn words. You don't learn anything. I, you learn to run, mainly. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only lesson in Goosebumps is you run. But, uh, no, I always think, you know, adults are allowed to read all kind of things that aren't enlightening, aren't broadening. You're allowed to read things that aren't uplifting. Why can't kids have that same choice? Why can't kids read just for entertainment? And that's what I've always tried to do. Absolutely fair. I think you've thoroughly succeeded. And again, uh, Goosebumps and our audience, uh, a testament to that. Uh, let me ask you guys both this. Um, a common question people always get asked, I'm sure you ask this too, is, you know, oh, did you always know Goosebumps was going to be a success when you were doing it? Uh, I always like to take that question, transpose it and say, when did you begin to realize that it might have not only hit expectations, it might have begun to exceed them? Yeah, I, here's when I knew something was going on. And I have to tell you in the beginning, see, I didn't, I didn't want to do goosebumps. That's the kind of businessman I am. I was afraid it would mess up Fear Street. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a younger series. He had to talk me into it. But about a year into it, I was doing um, a book signing at a bookstore in my hometown, Columbus, Ohio. And I was in the car on my way to the bookstore and I was in a terrible traffic jam, and I was really upset. 
Um, I've never been late for a book appearance. I'd never been late. I knew people were waiting and I'm stuck in this traffic jam. And then I looked at the other cars and they were all filled with kids. They were all coming to see me. And I realized I made the traffic jam. And that's when I, became, <laughs> that's when I first realized something was going on here with these books. Oh, wow. Nice. Tim, what did you get an inkling that... Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, 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 do another one. Hey, why don't you do another one? What do I... <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Uh, I didn't cause any traffic jams, but um, when I realized it was uh, so, you know, there was no Internet back then. There was no way to check on any stats or anything like that. And, uh, I, you know, I, you work alone in your house and I'm just putting them out. And I'm happy that they're saying there's another book. There's another book. So to me, it was going great, but I had no idea how popular it had become. Uh, I went over to a friend's house for dinner and they all had kids. I had no kids and they had kids who were goosebumps age and we're sitting there at the table and, you know, eating some dinner. And then at some point goes, well, what are you, what are you working on now? And I'm going, ah, I'm working on this thing. I don't know. You might know it. And uh, I uh, said, it's called goosebumps. And it was like on a TV show where everybody drops their fork and they all stare at me. Are you kidding? And then they're screaming to the other room. The kids all came running in with the books. And then I realized, oh, wow, this is this is something. <laughs> Suddenly dinner became an E.F. Hutton commercial. A hundred percent. Outstanding. What uh, what's the best memory that you both uh, have taken from uh, being a part of Goosebumps? Oh, I have too many. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I've had so many exciting things because of Goosebumps. I, I had a five-city tour of China, for all the wow. Goosebumps fans in China. That the kids there were amazing. That was that was a wonderful thing. I did um, uh, a book fair in Brisbane, Australia, and thousands of kids came. I've had just so many. One of the big thrills of my life is we had our own Goosebumps attraction at Disney World for a year. We had Goosebumps Horrorland in Orlando. Yeah. I had my own land, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> that was the thrill for me, the last one year, but it was a nice year. Absolutely, that's 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 more than more, that's more than a lot of people can say, absolutely. So, uh, Tim, how about you? What do you? Uh, I think you uh, the thing that's caught me uh, or surprised me the most is what's going on now well, yeah we're we're 25 years past the uh, you know when this was uh initiated and when it was popular and the the kids who come out now to you know comic conventions or you know who reach out through you know social media to say how much goosebumps meant to them and still holds a you know a special place in their heart that's a that's an amazing thing. I, I have a real hard time getting past that. I, I it's it's still very it's astounding. Uh, leading up to this event, I found out uh, how many of my friends on my social media were fans of Goosebumps. Said you guys because they just they, they don't comment any other stuff. But I was like, you're you're doing the Goosebumps guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. It really is wonderful. Next year is the thirtieth year of Goosebumps. Wow. 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 What looks what lasts for 30 years? Please. Uh, I don't know. 
I ran out of stories about 10 years ago. <laughs> but somehow we have to keep going, right? <laughs> Uh, too much, too much. Now, Tim, you've got uh, you got something in the works. You have an Art of Goosebumps uh, book, correct? Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, so here, as this many years into it, um, we uh, Dynamite Book uh, bought the rights up to the the Goosebumps uh, original art, and we're featuring the first uh, sixty two Goosebumps covers. Um, what's nice about it? It isn't just the cover art. Uh, we also included the original sketches uh, for each of the uh, Goosebumps cover. Uh, when I did Goosebumps covers, I would always submit three ideas. So there are two unseen uh, concepts for each of the Goosebumps books. And uh, so, yeah, in another in another world or another dimension, there were different Goosebumps covers that could have been on the books. Hmm. Um, so it's a it, it it's coming out in October. Uh, it's a nice oversized book, color art on every page. So I think the you know the the, the real Goosebumps fan is going to going to really dig this. Oh, outstanding! And since our audience knows, you reported to an art director, uh, RL reported to an editor, and so you guys really did not have a chance to commensurate between the two of you on, on this collaboration. It was always your side of the fence and my side of the fence, right? Listen, Tim and I didn't meet for three years. <laughs> How many books did we do? By that time, we were already doing a book a month. Absolutely. 12 books a year, and we hadn't even met. Usually, you know, publishers don't want the artists to meet the writer. They try to keep, they try to keep you apart. We actually met only because of the TV series. Mm. It was the first primetime on Fox Kids, Fox, the first Goosebumps TV show, The Haunted Mask, and they had a, an opening night party at the notorious club, The Limelight. That's right. The Limelight. Remember mm. The Limelight? And, Absolutely. And we had a big party to open for the opening of the TV show, and that's where Tim and I met, finally. Wow. And I was just, I went there, I, I didn't go there to meet him. I just went there because I heard he was there and I was going to get a chance to hear him speak. And when I got in the room, the room was packed and I was going, uh, you know, where can I sneak to, to, you know, to get a better view? And I saw this, you know, this corner area and I kind of snuck up and I had, was like, oh, this is going to be great. I could see right down. He's going to be right there. And at the time, the person next to me elbowed me and said, look who's standing next to you and Bob happened to be standing next to me and I introduced myself. So got, got next to him by accident. Fine. Excuse Fine. me, Mr. Stein. I'm, <laughs> I'm I, was, I was expecting that. Hey, how you doing? I'm Tim. And there you go. Tim who? <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You're the artist. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I get it, gentlemen. It was a uh, it was a detached collaboration, but uh, history and the fandom have, have proven it, 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 its absolute worth and uh, the entertainment value. And and well, it worked so well. And you know, Patty, I was I had I was writing the books, and he had to do the painting for the cover at the same time the book was being written. They weren't even finished yet. Yeah. And we would send Tim like a little paragraph saying what the book might be about. 
<laughs> and in every single case, he got it right. He had the right cover, except for one book. There was one book where the cover had nothing to do with the book, and that was Say Cheese and Die, which is about these kids who discover this evil camera, and the camera takes photos of bad things that happen in the future. And Tim's cover painting came in, and it was a family of skeletons barbecuing. It didn't quite match. <laughs> The only time that ever happened, and of course they called me, and and they said, uh, Bob, uh, could you add a scene with skeletons barbecuing? Because Tim, they wouldn't ask Tim to change the painting. Right? <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah. Said, could you write a scene with it? And I actually I wrote a dream sequence. The okay. kid has a dream about kids' family barbecuing, and that's how we made it work. All right, no, that that great, and and to, to in Tim's defense, you were you were writing those things at a rather frantic pace. I believe you're you were able to push one out in ten days. Well, two weeks. I I I was writing. I how did I do this? I was doing a Fear Street and a Goosebumps every month. I was ah. writing two, two novels a month. Wow. I, now I don't know. I don't know how I did it. I I was a lot younger. But uh, and I didn't get out much, tell you that much. <laughs> that, but, it, yeah, it was a very fast pace for a while. It, uh, it's funny because we had a conversation about the pulp character, the shadow, and and writing like that reminds me of the pulp days when guys like Gibson and those guys were they were just furious yeah. and fantastic pace, but the quality though maintained that was the amazing thing about that. So, yeah, I. Uh, kudos well, to you for, for maintaining that schedule for as long as you did. Well, I had been writing for 20 years and nobody had noticed. And I think to have that kind of success was so exhilarating that that's what kept me going. I ran into somebody at the Edgar Awards. I'm trying to remember what book. He, he wrote a book series. I forget what it was. And he said, I'm cranking him out. I'm cranking out this series. And I said, oh, really? How many? What are you cranking out? He said, one a year. And I just had to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> one a year? He's cranking it out? <laughs> Forget it. Yeah, yeah. Go talk to the Game of Thrones guy about his schedule. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for humoring my questions. Uh, we are good to go on our audience questions. So I said, let's go ahead and fire up our first one. And this is going to come from Dustin, who wants to know, what's the earliest Halloween costume you can remember wearing, if at all? I, I can answer that because it was humiliating. Um, my my parents, I wanted to be something really scary. I was this kid. I wanted to be a mummy, a ghost, a skeleton, something scary. And my parents went out, bought my brother and me costumes. And they came back, and I opened the box. It was a fuzzy yellow duck costume. And I had, my family was very poor, and I had to wear, they couldn't get a new costume every year. And I had to wear this yellow duck costume with a fuzzy tail every Halloween. It was really humiliating. Oh. And I, when I went, when I wrote The Haunted Mask, that Halloween story about Carly Beth, who wants to be scary at Halloween. I put in the duck costume. I remembered it. 
and her mother gives her a duck costume. I actually got to use it. <laughs> nice, very nice. And yeah. you're, uh, you said you're, a, you're an Ohio lad. I'm from Columbus. Columbus. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm an Indiana kid, and yeah, <laughs> Halloween in the Midwest is taken a little more seriously than in in and throughout the rest of the country. So I I sympathize with your plight because it was a it bigger was deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, how about you? Um, the one that stands out, the one that I can remember as an early one, my father used to, was a creative guy and, uh, he used to, to make a lot of our costumes. And, um, the one that I remember that we all had to wear at one time, cause it was one of his favorites was he did this Martian character and he made, you know, a breastplate out of cardboard and aluminum foil. But the, the thing that was the, the, you know, the, the, the clincher was, there was a, a metal spaghetti strainer that we would wear on our head. And then he had two wires that came out and there were TV tubes on the end of the, the spaghetti strainer it was awesome looking. So wow. <laughs> you're going to make RL incredibly jealous. <laughs> yes, I don't, yes. Yeah. I don't know if wearing the spaghetti strainer is, is what's going <laughs> to make envy. Uh, did you hear the part about the yellow fuzzy duck? True, true that. True that. <laughs> Oh, wow. Very nice. Dustin, fun question to start us off with. Thank you. What do we have next? Ed, here's one from uh, Alicia. Or Alicia, uh, are there any new young artists or writers that have caught your attention? That's the kind of question that always stumps me. Yeah. I spend a lot of time looking at young adults and young, you know, middle grade books and things, but I, I can never come up with anybody. This is an amazing time in children's books. Um, there are just, there's so many authors now uh, who are doing really well and such diversity. It's really a great, one of the great times for children's books. But I, I don't think I'll single anybody out. Fair, fair. And I'm with you. We, it is, it's a long overdue uh, evolution in, in the form uh, in terms of, yeah, exactly. In terms of diversity and awareness and volume. And yeah, it's, it's a buyer's market. And it, it, it cuts uh, in the, in the, the art arena as well, where, you know, years ago I would do a traditional piece of art and then I show it to my classmates or to my friends. And then that piece of art, if you didn't hang it on the wall, ended up, in the closet or under the bed or in the attic. And now with the advent of social media, everybody, all artists can get their art out there and they can get lots of people's eyes on it. And there isn't a day that goes by where you don't open up, you know, Instagram and scroll, you get two flips and you're seeing somebody's artwork that is just mind blowing. So it, it's a, it's a great tool for that to get, you know, lots of eyes on a lot of different pieces of art. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Every time I open Instagram, I end up following two or three more artists. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And generally it's people that's like, I, I don't know who this is, but I'm a new fan. Yeah, exactly. So Alicia, thank you. Fun question. What do we have next from Alex? What goosebump story and art are you most proud of? <laughs> Oh, that's another tough one. I oh, I, I I'm asked this question a lot, and I usually say the haunted mask. I think that's my best Halloween story, and that's the only Goosebumps book that's based on something that happened in real life. 
the only one out of all of them. Uh, when my son Matt was a real little guy, it was Halloween time, and he was trying on a green rubber Frankenstein mask, and he pulled it down over his head. I'm watching from the doorway, and he pulled it down, and he couldn't get it off. And I'm watching him. He's tugging and tugging, and I thought, what a great idea for us. I should have helped him, right? <laughs> I didn't win the good I didn't win the Good Parent Award that day, but I had a great idea for a story. I went, I started making notes. The mask sticks to his face. And, and um, I'm, that's, I guess that's the Halloween story that I'm most proud of. Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, Tim, what cover? Uh, you, you know, it, it changes a lot. You know, I'll go from, you know, for periods of time liking one piece or liking another. Um, if you're asking me today, um, I, I really liked Monster Blood 2 um, because what we had kind of touched on earlier on was that Goosebumps was that combination of horror, but there was a comic element to a lot of the stories. And, you know, the mutant hamster that's in Monster Blood 2 uh, is funny and scary at the same time. Um, you know, with a name like Cuddles, you can't go wrong. And um, that was also the f one of the earlier books where I started to play with warping the perspective uh, in the art. So, you know, when you would see ceiling tiles, they would be twisted and, and you know, kind of an Escher quality to it. So, you know, and I started to use that trick a lot in, in future covers. So that one, I think, had all those classic uh, Goosebumps cover elements in it. And this is why Tim's covers work so well. Because Tim I caught on right away that this wasn't just scary. These weren't just scary stories. And if you look at his covers, they're all scary, but they're all funny at the same time. Yeah. He he did exactly what I was trying to do in the books. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, they have that they have that great I call it the spooky aesthetic where it's like, oh, yeah, the green slime and everything else. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's that, that version. But they're, of that. But they're absolutely not straight horror. No, no way. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. It's, it's, it, it is very much the spirit of a, of a, of a kid's version of, of Halloween in this classic of form, which is just right. scary enough to be fun. So, absolutely. And Alex, thank you. Wonderful question. What do we have next? From Jenny, what has been your most interesting source of inspiration besides your son uh, wrestling with a Frankenstein mask, of course? <laughs> I, st I steal from everybody. I <laughs> <laughs> all these books. I have, you know, I have a lot of influences. Rod Sterling was a huge influence on me. And uh, Ray Bradbury is one of my idols. Um <laughs> I would say, I, I think the absolute scariest Stephen King novel I ever read was Pet Cemetery. Mm. I think that's the scariest. I just love that premise. I've used that premise about five times. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what and, you do, you, right? Yeah, and uh, I think you've got a record too, but uh, you're a big fan of the old EC uh, Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypts. Yeah, that's when I was a kid. I, they were around, and I, you know, they talk about mixing horror and humor. I mean, that's where it came from. Yeah. You know, these were gruesome, horrible stories, and they all had a funny twist ending. 
Yeah. It was, it was that great combination. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Tim, how about uh, your most interesting source? Well, it's, it, yeah. you know, again, it, I, the cover art comes from a different place where Bob has to sit there and he has to conjure up a story out of nowhere. Uh, you know, that's where it's coming from. I get the story. You know, I'm, I'm handed all the goods. That he's describing, hey, okay, here's what the story is about. Make it look cool. So it's not, it's not, it's not an inspiration type thing. It's a way to, you know, you got to try to see what he's seeing and get it down on the paper and be able to convey those concepts or ideas. So uh, it's more about listening and being able to see the words and then see it in your head. Absolutely. Uh, paper. In terms of art in general, um, what are some of your inspirations? Um, I was a huge fan and still am of Roger Dean. Uh, Roger Dean was the illustrator who did all the covers for an album uh, for a band called Yes. And um, they were, his art is not realistic. It, you know, it, it was one of those things where, you know, when you first learn art, you learn to draw the, you know, the banana and the apple in the bowl and make yeah. make it look exactly right. And all this stuff art. Get that thumb up there. And um, his art was, you know, it was just surrealistic. And it was like, oh, yeah, I should paint stuff that people can't see. You know, come up with thoughts and ideas and create something that people can get uh, get lost in and, and escape into. So, you know, I want my paintings to hang up and be like a window, you know, a window to, you know, some other world that people can step into for a short time. Uh, very nice. Jenny, thank you. Great question. And let's go ahead and roll another one. And here's one from Dawn. Was there ever any story ideas or character designs that the publisher said was too, went too far? Um, I can only think of one. Usually my editors are, I'm fairly conservative with this stuff. And usually they're saying, hype it up, make it scarier. Hmm. There's a very early Goosebumps book called The Girl Who Cried Monster. And it was about a girl who's spying on the librarian. She's back in the shelves and she realizes that the librarian is a monster. And the reason she, in the original manuscript, the uh, librarian ate a kid. And um, they thought that might be going too far. Eating kids, they thought, might not be good. So I had, I changed it. I put a big bowl of live turtles on the librarian's desk. And every once in a while, he would reach over and eat a live turtle. <laughs> and that's how the girl figured out he was a monster, which is better. Turtles are better than kids. They're crunchier. Yeah. Crunchier, right? And, but that's the only time I think I, that maybe I went too far. I, I, I Eating a kid and going to turtles. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kids are turtles. As long as they're not kittens or puppies. That's, that's crossing the line. Can't they, do that. They Can't do that. The kittens and puppies <laughs> always fly in Fear Street. Mm. They're always the first to go. Right. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and uh, Tim, from your perspective, was there any time that uh, maybe a little less this? 
Uh, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a. This is too scary thing. I only got called out once. Uh, you know, again in the in the illustration world, usually you turn art in and people come and you get it back and you make changes and you turn it in and sometimes it comes back again. And uh, with goosebumps, I had a, a lot of free thinking and room to to do my own thing, and they hardly came back at all. And I think it was due to the fact that. Bob's cranking them out. I got to keep up. And yeah. it's, you know, they may have wanted to change maybe a couple of them, but, uh, you know, there was nothing outstandingly uh, uh, that stood out that they really wanted to change. Yeah. The only one they sent back was uh, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. And Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes uh, is a, you know, an outdoor scene where, you know, there's all the, the classic tacky stuff from the nineties that used to be in everybody's yard, the pink flamingo and that, that weird globe that, you know, everybody had on the pedestal and then some lawn gnomes. And there were two lawn gnomes in the picture and there was the, you know, the, the tough guy in the front. And then there was the one who seemed to be a little less smart in the background. And, um, he was picking his nose and we turned it in and everybody was laughing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Let's leave him picking his nose. That's great. That's great. And then just before it went to press, they sent the artwork back and said, yeah, uh, we don't want him picking his nose. So now in the final art, he's moved out of his nose and he's scratching the side of his head. So that was my big, you know, very, very simple change, not a big deal, but it was way funnier the other way. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, okay, yeah, decisions, you know. <laughs> no, it's yeah. hard to believe in this day and age that nose picking is what we're <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, out, of, out of all of the possible horrific criticisms that could have been levied at, at a given point, oh, oh sure. too, too much fangs, too much, too much oh, skeletons. Like, oh no, uh, yeah. uh, a, a mystical creature picking his nose is the one they they they, they stick yeah, on. Okay. That's it. Right. <laughs> uh, Don, thank you. A very fun question. What do we have next? Eh, from Chad. <clears throat> ah, what do you do when you're not working? <laughs> do you do you not work, Bob? What? I there do you go. not work? <laughs> Listen, I live in New York City. There's lots to do, you know. That's true. In normal times and normal years. Yeah. See now, no one wants to hear this. I mean, I live near Lincoln Center. We go to the opera, ballet subscription, but, you know, nobody wants to hear that about a horror writer. When you're a horror writer, people think your whole life is horror. And no one wants to know, oh, I like country music. Oh, I yeah. like, no, no one wants to hear anything like that. That's a good, that's a good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I go back to my, I go back to my coven and listen to, you know, King Diamond albums. And Yes, right. <laughs> Lie down in my coffin and yeah. wrap my cape around me. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's absurd. Uh, crazy. And uh, Tim, what are you doing in your off time? Um, I work a lot, uh, just because I like to do it, but, uh, I ha also have the luxury of, I still live, uh, close to where I grew up and I still have a lot of friends from when I was a kid and when I was in high school. So whenever possible, it's great to be with people you've known your whole life. 
who say mean things to you because they're allowed to. And that's what it's all about is, you know, having fun. And um, was just out with some friends last night on their boat uh, out here in New Jersey. It's this part of New Jersey. It's beautiful. There's lakes and trees. And so it's a, it's a good, it's nice to get out of the studio. So yeah, if, if there's time off, it's way better to be outside. Uh, agreed. And I'm glad that, uh, we're out of the curious 18 months we just had. And yeah, we can start going out and being social again and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, yes. Chad, thank you. Great question. What do we have next? And here's one from Dan. Hmm. What is your favorite scary story? Um, I guess something wicked this way comes, the Ray Bradbury story. Um, <clears throat> just so beautifully written. And so creepy. And I relate to it because it's about a boy in the Midwest. He sort of grew up in a suburb like I did and sneaks out of his house late at night, goes down a couple blocks where they're setting up a carnival. And the carnival turns out to be one of the most evil places on earth. Uh, I, I always recommend this book to kids. I think it's very scary. I, I would follow that up with... Uh... The Halloween tree. Hmm. Yes. I, I, I really, I really love that particular one yeah. for the exact same reason. Again, the Midwestern elements to it and the, the history yeah. of Halloween and right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I, I say so. Uh, I'm going to jump on the Ray Bradbury bandwagon here too. Cause when I was in uh, middle school and I read Fahrenheit 451, that one just, that was a, an astounding eye opening book. And uh, it was, you know, just very thought provoking. And I was, you know, we were finally moving from, you know, the the hardcore required reading to stuff like Bradbury, which was, uh, you know, way more interesting. And, you know, I, you know, I still think about that book today. And if anybody in our audience is wondering, that's a sci-fi story. No, Fahrenheit 451 is a scary story. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know what? This would be fun to throw this out. Uh, if you gentlemen were in that world, what book would you become? What no, book that, you, that you would you would commit to memory? No, 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 no. That's too hard work. <laughs> Fair. <It's> creative. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Dan, thank you. What a great question. Uh, let's see. We got time for two more. Let's see what we got next. Here's one from Sammy. Which do you prefer, physical books or ebooks? Oh, I read both. When I'm traveling, back, you know, when you can travel again. I always have a Kindle or an iPad or something, and I can take eight or ten books with me. But um, I I read I I read at both both, and I don't prefer, it. and I don't get upset when you know kids are reading on screens or something. I yeah. think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I mean there's something that's cool about a tangible uh, book, you know, holding it in your hand, the feel of the paper and all that stuff. But I'll even jump to uh, the third one where I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks because I can have it playing while I'm doing something else, you know, sure. whether it's cutting the grass or even doing some work and be able to, to, to uh, I, I like the idea of 
um, listening to an author tell the, his story himself and uh, hear it in their words. So, um, yeah, it's it's not the same as reading, but it's, uh, it's still a good way to get some, uh, you know, I find that I'm able to get get through more books that way than if I said, no, 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 I have to sit and read and I, I know my time's limited. So that's why I can kind of do two things at once. Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, I love audiobooks when I'm driving along long exactly. road trips. That's, you know, in traffic, you're not <clears throat> doing anything. You might as well learn something. When I'm traveling by plane though, I enjoy the pleasure of an old beaten up paperback. Oh, cool. I love it. I love an old mass market. I'll, I'll grab a random one. I haven't read in 15 years and I've probably forgotten everything about it. And I'm just, you know, yeah, I just love that. Love that aesthetic. Sammy, thank you so much. Mass I think we have paperbacks. That's my favorite format too. And they're hard to find these days. <laughs> yeah, bookstores don't want them. No, you can't no. charge them. No, it's, it's, they're, yeah, they, they, they are kind of shoving up, which is a shame. Yeah, so I think we, have, we got time for one more, and uh, my producer says we got a really fun one to close out on. So let's see what he's got. Ah, here's one from Andre, <laughs> and Andre wants to know what gives you goosebumps. <laughs> no, I hate that question. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I I I'll give you a serious answer. I've had this past week. It's, I've had a lot of goosebumps because people have been so nice and so wonderful about the Fear Street movies on Netflix. And um, the, the first Fear Street movie was the number one movie on Netflix for the whole 4th of July weekend. Nice. And now there are two of them out and they're both in the Netflix top 10. And it, it, that's just such a thrill for me that uh, the Fear Street readers and people are so loyal to that old series and that people are enjoying it so much. Uh, that's been, that's given me a lot of goosebumps in the past week. I'm just so grateful to people for that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Number one, that's, 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 that's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. And on Netflix, there's some stiff competition on, on Netflix right now. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's a feather in the cap. So nice. Okay, Tim, bring us home. What gives you goosebumps? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Goosebumps gives me goosebumps because I, I, if I was the right age to have read Goosebumps, I wouldn't have read them because I was that scared kid. I was afraid of everything. Everything gave me nightmares. I would go to the movies and I would walk out and call my mom on the payphone and have her come and pick me up because I couldn't get through the thing. So, you know, I... Uh, I would have, I would have been probably not a Goosebumps fan, and here I am, the guy who gets to do the covers. So figure that out. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Well, that's that's that that's that's this business, you know. <laughs> you know, you know whether you're creative as a writer, or an artist, or an actor, it's just like you go in wanting to do one thing, and you find something along the way, and then it, it takes you down this road. So, and on behalf of myself and the audience, it has been a fantastic road. Once again, gentlemen, I thank you for, I, I thank you for goosebumps. I really do. I, uh, I thank you for giving the, the pleasure to uh, like all those young readers. I thank you for a time in the nineties. That was, that was, that was an odd time. And um, you got kids to read and just that in and of itself is extremely noble. 
And I mean, we, uh, love the, we love the 90s. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Those absolutely. absolutely. And Andre, that was a great question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the gentleman of Goosebumps. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute delight. Any final words for our audience before we take our leave? No, thanks to everybody. And stay scary, everyone. Absolutely. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been my pleasure to serve you both today. Once again, thank you for joining us on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us today, and thank you for your great questions. Hope to see you all again soon. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care, and remember that smiles are free, so spend them often.